started with a cobalt bag. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless you. Welcome. And uh, we love you. And we just thank God that you are here on Christmas Day, on the day that we celebrate for the Lord's birthday. Don't get caught up in all the people who want to argue about those things. It's not about a day or a date. We're not to be judged by those things. It's an opportunity to celebrate the event. You see what I'm saying? And if the world will set aside a month or six weeks or a lot, they can extend it all they want to make it a longer shopping period. But hey, as long as they keep calling it Christmas, then we have opportunity, see? And that's what the church is here for. This is the age in which we live in. You know, for 1,500 years before us, it was the law, right? Then came 400 years of silence, that blank page between Matthew and Malachi. And then God uh, brought Jesus in, right? And so then when he ascended, it started in the church age. And uh, the age of grace and truth. And you are plan A. There is no plan B. And so this is, uh, some people call this the prophetic age. It is not. It, this is the evangelistic age, right? Prophecy is a part of that. Prophecy is a, a blessing and a dinner bell. It's like healing and miracles and signs and wonders for people to come and be evangelized to hear the word of God. It's about the word of God. That's why the foundation of this church is always going to be based on the founded on the Word of God. That's why it blesses me to hear people say what they say and things like that, which we hear often about the growth and all that, because that's what Jesus intended. He didn't say go into all the world and make converts. Uh, oh, I already took care of that once and done. Oh, I got baptized as a baby. I haven't been back since. No, he said go into all the world and make disciples, a, a learner, a, a follower, a daily disciple. That's what bearing our cross is. Amen. Amen. Bearing your cross isn't, oh, we all have our cross to bear. And then they mention some illness or a bad marriage or something like that. That is not your cross. Your cross is deciding to follow Jesus and his teachings every day. And every day you come to a crossroads or several where in your flesh you'll want to go one way and you know from the word of God that is in you that Jesus wants you to go his way and you say, I'll bear my cross and go his way. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day, this Christmas day that we are so blessed to come together, your children, and worship you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Lord, you said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So no matter where we meet, Lord, it is a holy place. Amen. It is the church of the living God. Because your children are here, and when we're here, you're here. So when we walk in, the environment changes, Lord. Everything changes because the light of God has entered into that place. The truth and the love of God has entered. The atmosphere should shift. 
The angels of God surround us. The armies of God are surrounding us. And anything and anyone who comes against us, we have confidence in these things. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today, this Christmas message of, of God's unspeakable gift. And I kind of sort of touched on the idea last week of what, what does Christmas mean to us? And I'm really talking to us and talking to all those who hear the message all over the place. And thank God you do. God bless you. I pray for every one of you. Every time I'm, I'm blessed to see a, a city in this nation pop up that is not around here. And some of you are more faithful than some of the members here in this church. And... Uh, would never miss a message. And I hear from you. And I, I love you. And I pray for your family. And I think of you as our church family. And, and in, in, in Germany, there's so many of you. In Singapore and in, 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 in nations all around the world. And it's just a blessing. So we, we, we know you're there. And we're praying for you. But last week, I, I, I mentioned about what, what does Christmas mean? And the significance of Christmas. Of the Christ in Christmas. And I, I mentioned that so many people write Xmas now, right? And uh, it was brought to my attention that I, I, I teach sometimes that the X in, in, in Xmas, when it was originally done that way, it was not meant as a bad thing. Because the, the New Testament, all the, the Old Covenant was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. And the, the first letter for Christ in Greek is X. That's right. The 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 key, the C H I. So it, Christos, which translated in English as Christ, starts with an X. So it was Xmas, you see? And, and and so in that sense and in and that intent, that motivation, see it's always about the motivation. The man looks on the outer appearance, God looks on the heart. So that, that motivation to write Xmas was not a bad thing. But I'm telling you now that all of you are you are here on Christmas morning in, in this setting, in this place. You, you, you're the fanatics. And some of you did not know that. You see what I'm saying? I know that the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people that write Xmas do not know that. And that's not their reason for writing that. You see what I'm saying? And so that's like why last week I said it's a devaluation of the meaning and the significance of Christ in Christmas. And you have to admit that that is the fact in this culture. When I was a kid, everything you, you could go buy a nativity set anywhere. Now you try to buy one at one of the, one of the big box stores. Or you can find a giant Snoopy or something like that, Mickey or Minnie Mouse. But you can't find, a, you can't find much about Jesus. And it's happy holidays and all this kind of stuff. Not everywhere, though. There are people standing up. There's one of them in retail. In, in a setting that is not easy. But bold as a lion when it comes to that. And thank God for that. That's what the church needs. So what does it mean? It's like, okay, to... To the world and to many uh, 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 parties, right? Okay, <laughs> a lot of parties, a lot of drinking going on. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's just face it. I mean, it could be uh, just a, a vacation, a break from work. Yeah, Christmas. 
I'm waiting for Christmas time. Can't wait for Christmas. What do they mean by that? To get off work, to have the parties, to have the food, the celebrations. And listen, a lot of these things aren't bad. Time with family and friends, and these are, these are important things, right? But it's still not the main thing. Right? Amen. What about Jesus? Listen, what people don't know is killing them. My people perish for lack of knowledge or lack of knowing me. So as a culture, as a nation, in the home and in the family, where where government uh, contributes and and rewards people for for not having a whole family. Mm -hmm. You see, they want to be the God, the government when they do that sort of thing instead of agreeing with God and understanding that hey when a church comes into a community why why fight it because you don't get taxes from it because the more churches in the community notice that the crime rate goes down notice in the prisons in in the Christian dorms the recidivism which is the revolving door where they come right back in it drops about 70% the math is not hard to do folks There is something very good about having Christ and Christians in your midst. But people don't want to put him first. They don't want to take the time. See, Andrew Womack always says, as long as people can live without God or they think they can, they will or they'll try. Fact is, you can't walk across this floor without God. All you got to do is scramble the chemicals in your brain just a little bit and you can't even, you'll drool and fall down trying to walk across the floor. That's not being tacky, I guess it is, but you know what I'm saying. We need God. He's in every breath we take in our home, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our families. He needs to be centered. Listen, there were two friends. One of them was loved God and had his life centered around God. The other one drifted apart and he became a very heavy drinker to the point where that's all he did and he became an extreme alcoholic and it was ruining his life, devastating his life and health and his friend loved him and cared about him and wanted to reach him for God. And so one day he said, I'm just gonna gonna do something drastic and he went to the bar where the guy frequented and he went over to where he always was seated and he was sitting there at the bar drinking and he sat down next to his friend and of course he was welcome, he was friends. And, um, and he asked the bartender, he said, give me two glasses, one filled with water and one filled with whiskey. He set them side by side and he said, I want you to pay, I want your undivided attention for a few minutes. And he asked his friend and he said, okay. And so then he took, he had in a, in a little container in his pocket, he had two worms. And he dropped one into the water and one into the whiskey. The one in the water just wiggled around, swam around in there fine, and the one in the whiskey did for a second, and then he just died. And he looked and he said, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Well, the guy said, yeah. He said, if, uh, if you drink a lot of whiskey, you won't ever have worms, right? <laughs> so I would say he missed the point. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's the same with, uh, with Christmas and the world. People miss the point of Christmas. 
the Christ in Christmas, huh? Let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. This is when a Joseph, who was a good man, but engaged to a teenage Jewish girl, finds out she's pregnant and he hasn't known her in that way, if you know what I'm saying. And he's not wanting to have her stoned or killed, which he could have done, but he's going to quietly find a way out of this and divorce her. They were considered married already in, in that culture, even before, you know, and nevertheless. So, but thank God, God in his mercy didn't leave Mary like that with a, and, or leave Joseph like that with a broken heart and doubting and all that. He sent an angel to him and spoke to him in a dream and told him it was all true. And don't worry about it, right? So he was good. And in the 20th uh, verse, it says, But as he considered these things, talking about Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come. He had to leave heaven. He's the only one who's ever seen the Father, who had ever been in heaven with the Father and had always been with Him. He's the one that anytime God ever revealed Himself to man in any form in this world, it was Jesus. But He became a man because of sin. Adam's sin in the garden, Adam and Eve Adam's sin, because Adam had the seed that was passed down through generations, you see. And once that sin became corrupted, defiled because of sin, and they gave away the authority or the dominion, the power and control over this earth that God had given them, everyone born was born a sinner, shared the same penalty, which is death. You say, well, that's not cool, man. Why am I penalized for something this guy did 4,000 years ago in the garden? Mm -hmm. Well, you might not think it's fair when a lineman jumps off, off sides on a football team. The whole team gets penalized, don't they? Mm -hmm. Well, listen, you're part of something larger than you. Amen. A larger group called the human race. You're one of the team. <laughs> And believe me, you also have individual sins that would have disqualified you from the holiness of God. In James 2.10, he says, for whoever keeps, see, so this is for your friends who say, well, I'm better than all you Christians and I live a good life and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a philanthropist and I'm just a good man. Everyone would say so. If I have a funeral tomorrow, 500 people will show up and they'll all call me a good man and say I'm in a better place. They may be lying about him. Because James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law, that means all, everything God ever required of man or said was holy and good, whoever keeps the whole law but fails at just one point has become guilty of it all. And see, Jesus, he didn't only, he didn't only say that, that the Ten Commandments were good and holy, he made them harder. 
He says, he says, don't commit adultery. He said, I tell you, don't even think about it. What? And then he says, this says, do not kill your brother. He says, I'm telling you, don't, if you get mad enough at him and you want to kill him, it's murder. What? So he didn't make it easier. He made the trying to live up to the standard, he made to understand the impossibility of it in our own strength is what he was trying to do. Drive us to the end of ourselves and cry out for a Savior. Amen. So whoever fails at just one point, but even error or omission, things you know to do but don't do, that's sin in God's eyes. How many of us don't do that every single day? You've all been the Pharisee and the lawyer who passed the Good Samaritan on the street, believe me. I mean, passed the, the beaten man. You weren't the Good Samaritan. Never, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you become guilty of the whole law if you failed at just one point. So that's how dramatic it is and drastic, okay? So everyone's guilty in God's eyes. That's what he's trying to make clear. And listen, so that puts the whole human race, everybody in the boat. Like, if I fall down a well, that's a, a long, deep hole, Malachi, with smooth walls I can't crawl out of. <laughs> if I fall down a deep well, and Joey falls down there with me. Well, he's wondering if it's got water in it. Somebody's going to climb on somebody. Joey can't throw me a lifeline if he's down there with me. We can want to help each other out, but we can't help each other out of that hole. There was no one. Everybody was at the bottom of that hole. And I mean, you're saying, okay, we'll, we'll make a ladder. We'll, we'll do the monkey thing. We'll, we'll just stand on each other. Forget about it. It's deeper than that. Jesus had to come down and become a kinsman redeemer, the word refers to him as. Someone like us. God had to become like us, made of flesh and bone, so that he would be qualified to die for us in order to purchase back the dominion over the earth that he had given us in the beginning and that Adam and Eve had given to Satan in the garden. Look at Luke chapter 2. Starting in the first verse, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So he was taking a census. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. This is how he moved this carpenter and this teenage pregnant Jewish girl 90 miles to get them to Bethlehem to where, um, because he was from the line of David and that's where David was from. And so he had, they had to go to their, the town from which they were from. That's why they walked 90 miles when she was big pregnant, okay? To, and and, it, and it, they weren't trying to do that. Believe me, they weren't planning on going, well, let's, right before you have the baby, let's walk 90 miles and make sure we have it in Bethlehem. No, this is what God was doing. He was using even ungodly people to, to line everything up so all the prophecies would be fulfilled. And hundreds of them have been in, in through the life of Jesus. Amen. 
<coughs> and all went to be registered, each in his hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of, and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. We think of swaddling clothes as just some warm blanket and things like that. At the time, what they referred to here is the same stuff they, that was the death burial cloth. It's probably what they had available that would have been warm. He was literally born to die, folks. And laid in, and I, I would say even the manger was probably made of stone, hewn out of stone. It was a feeding trough. All of these things are type and shadow, you see. Nevertheless, that's not anything to keep us apart if we disagree. Amen. Amen. And uh, she gave birth and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Humble. Our God is a humble God. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the translation that I have, which is the English Standard Version. And I'll move on. It's, it's, it's significant. When the angels went away from them, and to heaven the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered in what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, they went and had circumcised according to the law. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Some translations, that's 2 Corinthians 9.15, some translations say indescribable. Um, I like the New Living Translation. It says, thanks be to God for his gift, which is too wonderful for words. That's what he's trying to say. It's not like the old covenant where in the old days, they wouldn't even mention the name of God. It was so holy they thought that they... They couldn't even say God's name. That's not what they're saying. It's saying it's so wonderful that you can't, words aren't good enough to describe the gift that God has given us. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Why was that gift so wonderful? Well, things we've been talking about. First, though, look at that scripture. His indescribable what? Gift. 
It was a gift. It's, if it's a gift, it's grace. If, it, if, it's, if, it's not a, if it's not by grace, then it's something earned, right? And then it's no longer a gift and it's no longer grace. But if it's grace and it's a gift not to be earned, then that's something very wonderful. Because Romans 11.29 says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And what have we learned about repentance? It's just changing the mind. And we have shown where God has changed his mind many times. But he's not going to change his mind about you and about Jesus and about this new covenant until Jesus returns. This is the new legal document from right here from the blank page after Malachi to the end. This is the binding contract that God has with mankind now. Yes. And it all has to do with his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This indescribable gift. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm going to take off running. I'm afraid I'll trip over all these cords. <laughs> <laughs> that means... He's not going to change his mind without repentance. Then it was so great a gift that we can never fully with words even describe how wonderful it is. Because without it, here's the thing. How can you describe this? Without, without it, we would all be doomed to hellfire. Everyone. That's the downside, okay? I mean, it's the upside, but that was the negative that it freed us from. And the positive is, we get to be with Him because of it. We get to be with Him forever. Amen. That's indescribable in words. I mean, you could talk about it forever and keep trying to put all the good things to it that you can, and you're still not going to scratch the surface of how good that is. That's right. The alternative is grim, folks. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, as a gift that's unspeakable or indescribable or too hard to explain or wonderful to explain with words, Christ calls forth thanks be made to God, the Father, from us. This is important. Because a lot of people think of Jesus as this kind, benevolent guy, but God the Father as the with the long white beard, and they think of him kind of like Zeus, mm -hmm. which is a mythical character in the, what do you call that, Greek mythology, right? With the lightning bolt in his hand, just waiting to, to get you. But it's not true, folks. Thanks be to God for his un speakable gift and he calls for praise or thanks to God for this gift that he gave. You see what I'm saying? The gift of Christ makes us view God the Father with thankfulness now. Never fall into the mistake that often is made by ignorant folks or people that just don't have the understanding or the knowledge of the truth when they suppose that our Lord Jesus Christ came into the, the world just to make God loving or to make God love us again or to stop hating us or to stop being angry with us. That is not the way to see it. No, no, no. Jesus Christ came into the world 
Because God is loving. And in love to us, He gave us His best, His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. For God so loved the world, not the world system, the people in the world, that He gave His best, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. He bankrupted heaven temporarily. He's not worried about the... He uses gold for asphalt, you see? He's not worried about all that. His only Son was His most prized possession. I love this poem quoted by the awesome preacher Charles Spurgeon. It says, "'Twas not to make Jehovah's love towards the sinner flame that Jesus from his throne above a suffering man became. T'was not the death which he endured nor all the pangs he bore that God's eternal love procured for God was love before. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's unspeakable gift is not the cause of his love, but the fruit of his love. The same with us. We're the righteousness of God and not because of anything that we've done and the things that we do. We're not, we're not do to bees. We're be to do's. We don't have to do something to be accepted with God, but because we are accepted with God, we do the things that he created us to do. Out of a thankful, loving heart because of the overflow of love that we've received from God. When you see someone as mean as a snake, it's because they don't have a revelation of the love of God for them, and they can't give away what they don't have. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. God gave his son, and we adore the giver and bless his name. Once we thought of God with dread, or mankind in general. That's why when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said that she was blessed of God and highly favored. She said, she was like, what? This is a strange salutation. She'd never heard that in church. It was all about do good, get good, do bad, get beat. You understand what I'm saying? That's why it was strange to her. That's why everything Jesus preached was strange and made those religious leaders mad because they, were, they went around teaching people, you better be good. See, and it's the same way in our culture. Look at today. All the children waking up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but you know what? Everything that they're taught to believe in that they can't see when they're little is based on, you better be good or else. <laughs> no wonder we have that mentality and it's hard to believe that God loves us in spite of us 
Amen. Or oh me. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's a good God. Acts 10, 38 says, Haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth, who was anointed with power and the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Good God, mad devil. Second Corinthians 5, 21 says, and I like the New Living Translation, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the sin offering to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ because of his perfect sin offering. In the old covenant for 1500 years there was uh, there was uh, pigeons and goats and, and rams and and oxen and different things depending on your status in life, but you were con life, but you were constantly sacrificing something. There had to be a blood sacrifice, and it was just a type and shadow. It was like a a, a simple a down payment until the real thing could come. So now we have no more down payments, no more layaway plan. You see, Malachi, that's when we used to be able to go to the store. And you could take something off the shelf and they'd lay it away for you and you'd pay a little bit on it when you... Yeah, four credit cards. It's after pay now. Yeah. Credit cards are for people that don't want to be rich. Plastic surgery is a good thing. Okay. Now. Talk patience too. Amen. Talk patience. So, no more down payments. Jesus became the propitiation, the payment for our sins, and now we have this divine exchange in Him. Amen. Amen. So, what 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 do I have to do? What do I have to do to have this unspeakable gift? You know, once I heard God tell me, you're my child and, and I'm well pleased. And it had a, an everlasting effect on me that I'll never get over. That's the same thing that he said regarding Jesus and to Jesus. So what did I do that was so spectacular? Answer is nothing. Amen. Not in my flesh. What I had done is I had surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And because of that, I was accounted with His righteousness. Every good thing He did was accounted to me. Once you do that, you see, and you become a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ every day, bearing your cross, putting him at the center, then he can fix all that other stuff mm -hmm. if you allow him. Jesus was teaching one day in John chapter 6, and I'm almost finished here. John chapter 6, verses 27 through 29. 
He told them, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's him, will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. That's on Jesus. Then they inquired. They had a question for him. What, what must we do? If we always want to know what we have to do, we're always trying to be acceptable, accepted by God, by doing, you see. And there's a lot, a lot of doing that goes undone, especially in the church. This is a place to come and be planted and to serve and to grow and to be a part of a, the family, the body of Christ. We have a world to reach and there's always plenty. I worked in a grocery store when I was a, a teenager and uh, we could never be caught doing nothing. It's a big place and the, the, the rule is in a grocery store there's always something to do. <laughs> I don't know if they have those rules anymore. <laughs> now the inmates are in control of the asylum. So you pretty much tell them what you're willing to do when. But that's how it used to be, you know. God placed a seal of approval on Jesus. And they said, what must we do to perform the works of God? In other words, what do we need to do to please God? To be acceptable by God. Here's what Jesus said. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. That's it. Now, I can take that word believe and preach a series on it, and I probably will, because we all need to know what that means. It's not just a mental assent, because James says, you believe there's one God, good for you. Most sarcastic, one of the most sarcastic scriptures in the Bible. He said, good for you. So does the devil. And he trembles. Not only does the devil and his demons believe that they know who Jesus is, but they're scared of him. They fear him, but not in a godly way. They're afraid of him because of the torment that's coming. Perfect love casts out fear because it has to do with torment. So if you still have fear, you're not perfected in the love of God, which means you're not, you don't have a revelation of the love that God has for you and the extent of that love we're talking about here today. The work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. Capital O. That means Jesus. Believe in the Christ of Christmas, folks. Yes. The Christos. <laughs> That's right. The Christ. Make him the center and the central focus of your life, of your work, of your marriage, of your family, of your relationships, of your finances, of your health, of your eternal destiny. Yes. He's going to show you great and mighty things, wonderful things that you didn't know. That's a promise in Jeremiah 29. He wants to show you those things. He's going to take you places that you never dreamed you could go. 
if you really surrender every area of your life to him, there's just not a doubt. It's just unbelief. All sin is unbelief. You understand that on some level. That's why the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit that we talk about, He doesn't come to convict you of your sin. He comes to convict the world of the sin of not believing on Jesus. And when He comes to the Christian, that's why the, the Holy Spirit is the one who is so amazing at bringing correction to His children because He just comes to you and you'll say, why aren't you trusting me right here? I love you. Make provision for this. You need to turn that thing over to me. You need to cast that care upon me, that worry, that drive, that why are you running away from me when you need to be running to me? Why am I so far from the center of that part of your life when all I want to do is make it beautiful? If we give everything we are and everything. We have to Jesus this Christmas. We should. After all, it's his birthday. Right. And you know all he wants for Christmas. I used to know I used to know a guy named Vince Vance. He wore his hair straight up in the air like this. He was a he, he had a show he performed. He was a singer and he had two two girls. I think one was his wife. I don't remember. I was I met him and, and hung out with him on several occasions. He was a great guy. But he had the number one Christmas song in the country for many years called All I Want for Christmas is You. And uh, I'm going to tell you now, that's all that Jesus wants for Christmas is you. He wants you to receive from him. And just give him the glory and give his father the glory. The Holy Spirit is here to help you and to guide you through this life to your final destiny with your heavenly bridegroom. But he doesn't even want glory for himself. Don't ever disrespect him. That'll take Jesus off. But he wants for the Father and the Son to be glorified. <coughs> Matthew 19.29, and I'm done here. The New Living Translation, Matthew 19.29, says, And everyone who has given up houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or property... For my sake and for the gospel will receive a hundred times as much in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. Amen. You're never going to outgive God. People are so afraid to surrender everything to God because they're afraid they're going to suffer loss. Nah, he's not that way. He's going to give you something better bigger. If your dreams are things that you can accomplish and have figured out how if I scrimp and save and do this and do it this right and do this and do that I can. I think I can pull this off probably not God. He's going to give you something to do and when you put him first he'll make his desires your desires and then he'll give you the desires of your heart because they'll be the same. talked about peace, a peaceful Christmas time last week, and then there's a lot of people that aren't here right now and that I've been talking to daily. Some of them have been through a lot this week. I know it was uh, one of those weeks for me, just 
nothing to complain about, but just it'd be a little overwhelming at times. I watched my wife as she retails her tail off during this time of year. Never complains. I know some of the things that a lot of you go through. And I hear I'm preaching about a peaceful Christmas time. Well, listen, Jesus said in this in this world you will have tribulation but be take heart I've overcome the world he said I'm telling you things so that you may have peace and he says but you're going to have trouble but take heart I've overcome the world and so I was like Lord all, all I preaching and telling everybody because I get calls and I talk to people that I love and care for all over the place including all of you any of you and the, I love all of you, I get calls from many of you, <laughs> but, but I just tell them the same thing about the peaceful Christmas time and the simplicity and keeping Christ first and all that, and, the, and it seems like all craziness breaks loose. Amen. And the Lord and I, I just, I did it, I would fall to my knees a few times this week and just ask the Lord, what, you know, and he said, and he reminded me of this. I didn't say there weren't going to be problems. But I gave you my peace as a gift. And the peace I had was in the midst of tremendous adversity. He reminded me of the storm when he was asleep in the back of the boat. In the middle of basically a hurricane. They were all freaking out. Then they come blaming him and pointing fingers. Jesus, don't you even care about us? <laughs> And he rebuked the wind and the waves and they calmed down. But he was asleep during the midst of that terrible adversity. When things went south, he didn't go with them, you see. And you can make up your mind, no matter what this world throws at me, I'm going to do it from a position of peace. I'm not going to lose my peace. I refuse because then I can't hear God. And just because you're falling apart... And you think I'm wrong if I don't fall apart with you. You're wrong because I'm trying to hear God. I'm trying to be the one who can hear God in the midst of all this chaos. So that I can pray and point us back to God and hear God and, and hear the wisdom of God. And not lose my witness for God. Because he's the prince of peace. Not the prince of peace unless something goes wrong or doesn't go my way. Amen. Amen. Is he talking to anybody today? Amen. He loves you so much. So do I. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Christmas time. We love you and we thank you for your unspeakable gift. Not that we can't speak about it, but it's just so hard, so hard to, to try and Put words to the wonderful gift that you've given us in Christ Jesus. I hope today, through your wisdom, you've shed some light into the hearts of your people and to all those who will hear this message about how wonderful that gift is and what Christmas really means. And it's a real thing. And without it, without you having come and been willing to do that and, and follow through and had great resolve to, to finish your, your course, Stay the course and, and not call it off when you could have. We thank you 
We thank you, Father, for your amazing love for us, that you were willing to give up your son temporarily for us. Lord, we don't want to ever get over being saved. And we want to shout it from the rooftops. We want to help evangelize this world. We want to tell the world about you and the free gift of salvation this Christmas. Help us, Lord. Give us windows and doors of opportunity to share that in a way that will touch the hearts and minds of people and they will receive you as their Lord and Savior. That's the best gift we can give you for Christmas is to bring some others into the kingdom of God. Help us to do that, Lord. Thank you for loving us and watching over all of us and keeping us healthy and prosperous. And, and thank you for removing the strife and the, the chaos from our lives for at least a little while this Christmas time. Not, not asking that you take away all the, the troubles and trials of this life that you didn't cause. You're not the reason this is a fallen world, but you've made a way back to you for us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.